you, you, yeah, you. Put the headphones in and crank it. You're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm the outspoken Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, Terry Ellen. We're a couple of trans survivors, rocking the airways, bringing you our lived experiences, opinions, and a ton of info about being transgender. This is episode 67, and today we are interviewing Charlotte Camille. She is the executive director for the Delacora International Trust Foundation, and she is the clinical director for a series of mental health centers throughout the Bay Area of San Francisco. It's a great interview, so have a listen. (laughs) And look, I was... As I was running... Not running late, but getting ready to come here and putting everything together. And then I sat down and I'm like... Wait, wait, wait. I can't sit down yet. I don't have any perfume marks. <laughs> oh, it's just my mindset. And then halfway back to my vanity, I went, what the hell are you doing? Would you get back inside? <laughs> Nobody can smell you. This is not. Yeah, we, we, we can't smell you. Uh, you know, we, we, they don't have that technology yet. And, and that might be a good thing because some people may not be bathing during this pandemic. Mm. Well, they should smell me, Mike. I was, was going to say, I guess all I can say is once this interview is done, I'll smell you later. Is that kind of the <laughs> idea or what? I think that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. That. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, we are live. Um, just wanted to pop in. We've already got a bunch of people that are already starting to come in. Uh, do appreciate it. Hey, Laura, how are you? Melanie, nice to see you. Charlene, good morning. Good morning, everyone. We're really glad that you can uh, drop by. Of course, obviously, once again, this is Trans Talk Raw Live on Facebook, as well as on Anchor and all other podcast platforms. Um, today, we have another wonderful lady that we... Uh, coaxed in and bribed and did everything that we had to to try to get her on the show and we finally got her on the oh, show was it, and wasn't uh, that difficult just and it wasn't well no it wasn't that difficult i think it was only a thousand bucks or something that we paid out so yeah, it's well, okay it was no big deal I was about um, to the check hasn't cleared yet so i'm not quite sure if i'm finishing the interview Okay. Yeah. Well, no, just don't, don't check your bank account until the interview is over. Okay. Cause I, I tried to make sure that, you know, um, it might bounce. <laughs> oh my god we are very credit worthy oh gosh well okay and so morning robin uh good morning maria um i guess the first thing is we do apologize for being a little bit late we had a couple of technical difficulties that we had to work through um obviously to get all of our feeds uh you know, uh, coordinated and consistent and everything else. Good morning, Marcy. Um, so yeah, we do apologize for just being a little bit late, but we're not doing too bad. Okay. We're only, we were only about six minutes late instead of, you know, could have been much worse. We'll just, we'll just dock our own pay. We'll just do that. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Five or six cents, I think maybe. So (laughs) You're getting that much? Oh my God, I got a raise. Holy shit. How did you manage I am, that, I am girl? The star of the show. Good agent, I think. Good agent. I think you, you must have a great <laughs> agent. Holy shit. Because, hold it, wait. You have an agent? Well, you know, you're going to have I'm going to have right? to speak to my union member about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so, as you'll notice, our lovely guest is drinking red wine first thing this morning. Um, um, actually, I beg your pardon. This is Sherry. 
Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, well, I mean, you're much classier than I thought up, you were. Up, no. Uptown. <laughs> I tell you what. Uptown. Yes. Yes. Very, very nice. <laughs> oh, obviously. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, I do uh, a spot for Harvey's Bristol Cream. Brought to oh, I love that, that too. Yeah. I've drank that before in the past. That Was is. Was that an ad placement? Do we, can we do that? <laughs> yeah. Hold it. Okay. So, you know that check that we just sent? That Now we're even. Okay. You're, you're doing <laughs> ad spots for everybody. Anybody else? No, we're we're done. Um, anyway, you know, I need to contact them to let them know they owe me a check in your place now. Mm. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. And here at Transtalk Wall, it. we'd love to use blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, so we could do, that's what they do on radio, right? This is like little. So, they do. It's exactly what they do on radio. That, you know. Yeah, exactly I, what they do I on radio. So I'm going to give a, uh, I need a disclaimer right away. Um, I've been up for like about 28 hours or something like that. So if I'm not quite on the ball this morning, I do apologize. I'm going to try my best to get through this. Um, this should make for an interesting show then. It should make for an interesting <laughs> show. No question. But it's not about me. It's about our lovely guest today. So Terry, why don't you uh, do a quick Can introduction? That's the first question. No, yes, do a yes. quick introduction and then ask the first question that we normally ask. God, you're so. I'm putting you. I'm putting you on the spot this morning. It's just. I like, see that, but I was expecting that on. spot. So yeah. Well, you know, that's put Ms. you in Ms. your Camille, place. I met I met her uh, about a month or so ago when she came to one of our virtual meetings with Sunder, Southern Transgender Alliance. It's a long ass word. I need to shorten that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she was amazing. Uh, wonderful person, very interesting, and I thought she would be great to have on our show. She has done many wondrous things in her life, uh, done a lot of work in the finance sector, um, has um, medical clinics out on the coast. She serves a lot of big community, and I just wanted her to come on and talk about what she does, what her passions are, what she thinks about our community, what we can what we can do for our community. I know she has huge passion for the trans kids that are just getting slammed left and right here in the United States mm -hmm. by some 20 different legislatures who are pushing anti-trans legislation. And mm -hmm. um, Camille uh, hugely helped us in writing the petition change.org to push people to contact these legislatures and specifically Alabama that you know we can get these bills killed. So Camille, we're going to, we always start off the show with asking our interviewees, how did you choose your name? How did I choose my name? My name is a combination of a family name, as well as someone who was an inspiration to me. So Camille, of course, uh, Terry would know, is a very old, traditional Southern name, mm -hmm. but it is also a traditional French name. And so uh, we have a family member. Uh, it's very distant and uh, obviously no longer with us and had preceded us many, many years and generations prior to us. But in looking back through my family, I was looking for strong individuals who represented more of my personality, where I was in life. And in doing so, I came across Miss Camille. And uh, she was someone who our family didn't really talk about because she was kind of outspoken. And in our family, the staunch characters just never made it to the forefront. They were kind of buried away. And so I thought I might revive her and give her another shot at life in a decade where 
having a voice was something to be revered and looked up to. Oh, that is nice. A nice family connection to your name. That is that is awesome. Yeah, that is actually really cool. No question. No question. Morning, Miranda. Um, I guess first question. Now, obviously, you're in the medical side of things. And you have a lot on the go there. Why don't you give us a little bit of an explanation in that and how maybe uh, that all started out. And, you know, just a quick overview of that would be fantastic. Sure. Uh, so basically, my background is more administration. I actually started out at Tulane in New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, Tropical Med. So I had a career path that originally was going to lead in a medical degree. And about midway through that, I had a change in heart and decided that uh, after a few conversations with uh, some older physicians who were more than seasoned and on their way out the door, who basically looked at me one day and said, unless you're ready to work for an insurance company as opposed to a hospital and your patient, then this may not be the career path for you. So my heart was always in for advocacy and uh, being an advocate and a liaison for the patients and for the people. And so for that, I kind of set out on a path to see where that was. And like many people, I took kind of a gap year and decided to see where that led. But um, fortunately, a lot of people who take that gap year end up uh, not really figuring that out. So I was very blessed in that with being able to kind of stay on path with that. And I went into the legal field for quite a while and pursued a JD. Um, that ended up into an MBA. And I served as a hospital administrator. I worked with Joint Commission, uh, writing policy for hospitals and clinics and that sort of thing throughout the United States, mostly in the Southeastern District before I moved out to California. And so for those that don't know, uh, Joint Commission is basically the individuals that supervise all medical facilities throughout the U.S. And they do multiple inspections throughout the year and at any time can basically walk into any facility and shut the entire facility down for basically any reasoning. Um, so they're the ones that you don't want to see coming through the front door. I try not to actually disclose that too often when I'm in a medical facility because um, you're never anyone's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But you would be surprised the level of wonderful care you get once they find out. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Put, the, put the fear of God in them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. No yeah. wonder why. That's why she's wearing white today, right? The fear? Well, yes. She is an angel. So well, she is. She has to be. And I mean, she's got the full angel stuff and everything else going on here. Yeah, and, I, I missed the uh, memo this morning. Black and white. I didn't realize we were having black and white attire for the show. I, yeah. I, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. My uh, rooms are in the other closet. Yeah. <laughs> When did you find out, like, maybe give us a little bit of background about yourself with regards to being um, who you are, uh, understanding and knowing your authentic self, when you kind of realized that that was going on, and when you started to maybe uh, come out to the world? Sure. So, um, being in the South, uh, here in Fairhope, and in the Gulf Coast, generally speaking, and Terry can kind of testify to that, too. Mm -hmm. Our family was actually more continental, so we were we traveled throughout the entire world, to be honest. 
And it was very difficult to see how other cultures lived, how they communicated, and how the rest of the world really just didn't care who you were um, as far as how you chose to live your life. And then you would come back to this little dot on the map, and they literally would make it about every single day of your life. Every mannerism, everything you wrote, everything you spoke, the shoes on your feet, um, you know, uh, the stores that you shopped in and, you know, the area in which yeah. we what, live. What church you went to? Element. Oh, of course. And uh, that played into fact because we're, we're Jews. So that, that was another uh, don't do in the South as well, as you know, um, because we went through the civil rights movement here um, back in the 50s, 60s and 70s, of course. And as far as some are concerned, we're still going through that. Oh, civil God, rights. yeah, we're still going through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so being a Jew, being gay, being trans uh, was the same equivalent as to being an African-American. And I know that some people, they don't like to draw those parallels. But I have had friends who were literally, literally beaten, tied behind a vehicle, mm-hmm. dragged, and while still living, set on fire. Oh my and gosh. if that does not involve themselves into a civil rights movement, then I don't know what other qualifications can qualify them to be included in on that movement. So with that in mind, you have to live every single day wondering, is this the day? And I know a lot of people hear these interviews and they see the written articles that I've done and many, many, many thousands of other people that have written poetry and spoken art and visual art, and they just they get to a point to where I think they become numb to it because they just think it's this made-up version. These people are just so dramatic. You know, it's not this bad because they do not live it. They don't know what it is to pull over on the side of the interstate because you have to simply go to the restroom and you're having to take an extra half hour to choose which um, service station that you're going to use that looks the safest. And especially when you're by yourself. But then the extra factor, of course, is if you have a family. And I do. So I have a nine-year-old who has spina bifida. And so um, I have to maneuver him around as well. And to get into that type of situation, it's very difficult. So I did not choose to live an open, honest life. But I also did not choose to hide who I was. So I walked that very thin gray line for a very long number of years. And the most difficult place to walk that line was actually at home. Um, I had a father who was very well respected in the community, um, in the business sector, my mother as well, through her social circles. And that was something that you just did not, in my family, interfere with. So... um, you kept that visual at all times. Whatever mm-hmm. the community thought of you is what you maintained at any mm-hmm. cost. Yeah. You could do paramount. whatever you That's wanted. Always paramount Absolutely. as long as you Absolutely. don't uh, bring dishonor to the family. Right. Yeah. You've got it. So you could do whatever you wanted to do, literally, mm-hmm. as long as it was kept behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And they never visually saw it, and it never ended up on the front pages either. So it wasn't until much later in my teens, whenever I was able to pretty much go off on my own 
and I had a good group of friends at that time that was a support system who didn't really understand um, my life and my true self, but they also supported it. So that counted. Allies really do support our community and the LGBTQ plus community as a whole. And that's one thing that they really don't understand. They don't have to understand every nuance of us. They don't have to understand how we tick, why we do what we do, what makes us get up in the morning, what makes us go to bed at night. Just be there. That's all you have to do. Yes, do, do no harm. As an ally, just do no harm to us. That is huge. Exactly. And anytime you can speak up for us in a, a conversation with somebody else, conversation at work, conversation at church, those are the biggest ways to be an ally for us, to stand up for us in any and all situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Camille, I mean, when did, when did you know, you know, put quotes around that, know that <laughs> you, you were not the gender that you were assigned at birth? So, you know, you always hear the same thing, I think, from most trans individuals. I think somewhere around preteen, pre-puberty, I think there was always, you know, inklings, signs mentally that you knew, whether it was from toys that you played with or did not play with, that were kind of those gender norms. For myself, I didn't play with any toys. I didn't play with girls or boys' toys. Um, I actually was more into um, design for myself, uh, mostly because the household that I grew up in, uh, my parents didn't really do a lot of, um, you know, fill your room up with plastic toys type of thing. But they would buy you anything that was, um, I guess, insurable, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so you couldn't have the plastic Barbie doll, but you could have the grandfather clock. Uh, <laughs> that was the only nine-year-old that, you know, couldn't have a T.I. Joe or a Barbie doll, but you could have, you know, the antique Duncan Five table in the corner. Like, Want to see what I got for Christmas? We're eating supper on it. Yeah. <laughs> it was not much of a childhood, but I made the best of it. God, you it poor thing. That, that I think, I know, it was so lonely talking to the wallpaper. Um, which is one of the things I love to refer to. I don't know if anyone else has seen the show Shirley Valentine. It's, um, it's a little bit older. Um, uh, some of my favorite characters, actresses in there uh, from the UK, but she lives this uh, kind of lonely little life. And she literally, she talks to her wall in her kitchen and the whole show is kind of starts out revolving around talking to her wall and that's sort of my thing. People will say, well, what did you do today? I said, oh, well, I talked to the wall today. <laughs> I have some of my best conversations. They're very reserved. I have yet they are very reserved. And they're great <laughs> listeners, right? I know, great right? Great listeners. Not, not so much on hugs, but, you know, yeah, sometimes. You know, just but, really hey, flat. the benefit to that is they don't talk back. Yeah, that's right. Right? And <laughs> they always they agree with you. There's a special number that I have that you should call for that. And we will talk you through it. If they start to talk back, call us and we can help. 
<laughs> yes. Now there's a problem. Either uh, your wall is possessed, or or what you're you having yes. hallucinations. Well, it it goes right. Either the wall is possessed, or you're possessed. One of the two. Well, one of the two. So, <laughs> you know. Well, then you can have a conversation with yourself. You know. That, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, and just so long as it's nonviolent and it's good communication, what the heck, right? You might as well enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. I think that was a song. If these walls could talk, I think Terry. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, so, Camille, what what were your teenage years like? Once once you hit puberty and and I got was, into the hell that that is for us. Um, I was over the road twenty four seven. I will tell you, I traveled so much not to be able to stay at home. But um, so my father traveled a lot on business, and my mother was gone a lot as well. So our home was pretty much open a lot, and it's very good that I was not the type of individual that um, was deviant, um, because I could have had a lot of um, bad situations with with that openness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we did um, we did have quite a few. Um, I think back then, what did we call them? It's more like happenings and parties and that sort of thing. So um, there was. Uh, there was one occasion where I think my parents came home a little early and they weren't supposed to be back for maybe another two weeks. So it was extensively early. There was some cancellations and things. And I literally had guests in, I think three or four bedrooms. Oh my. But they were, but their bedroom was on the opposite side of the house. So technically, you know, it's like, why are you, what are you doing over here? Why are you bothering me? Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's beating on all of the doors. And so my guests were a little confused slightly after that. So I didn't tend to have too many people over after that. So I did. I traveled quite a bit. And I was very, very, very happy that I did because I got to be involved with a lot of things um, out in San Francisco and New York. And I got to see what was going on in the world. And that's really where I started to have a heart uh, for activism in our community, but in all communities, to be honest with you. And I saw a lot of the poverty-stricken areas that we have in our own country. Um, growing up, you know, my parents were involved in so many committees and things that raised money for overseas activity, but I had never seen the, uh, the strickenness that we had within our own communities. And it really just stuck with me even to this day. And to know that that's within our own community, because I see so many within uh, that are trans that have to leave home, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not just the youth, not just the youth. We have individuals that are, are trans elders that are still struggling to even maintain uh, employment or housing oh, yes. because yeah. of who they are. And no one will give them a chance. And now we have this pandemic that is in place that has already wiped out what little bit of a percentage that they had in hopes mm-hmm. of finding a position anywhere. And so that's why I work as hard as I do and so many others do as well to try to make that connectivity for them and others uh, to find those resources for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so difficult too nowadays, like you said, because of the COVID and that the pressures were already on that were huge uh, prior to that. And then now going into this where now it's, you know, and it's not that it's a bad thing, but the competitiveness, even in the overall population is very, very high uh, with trying to get employment now. I mean, the employment rates, I think everywhere are just like skyrocketing and through the roof in all cases. And the other thing is too, is when we 
take a look at it and you talk about the uh, older generation and their transition, a lot of these individuals go into their retirement funds, they go into savings, they do all of this in order to be able to just be comfortable in who they are and then having that external, that outside pressure of not being able to get work and that sort of stuff, you know, so it it can be very, very difficult. Um, How do you find um, support in, I mean, obviously you're in the medical community, you are working directly with a lot, you're in with a lot of hospitals and that sort of thing. How are you finding overall the general acceptance levels of hospitals and, uh, you know, medical professionals in regards to the trans population? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to touch on something real quick that you just talked about with them dipping into their savings. You know, I have spoken to so many of our elders in the trans community, especially, but as the LGBTQ community as a whole. And one of the things that I've been hearing a lot lately in the past several months, especially since the pandemic has hit, is that they are literally spending that portion of their funding if they even have it. Because their outlook now is not on the extension of their life and where they're going to be living, but they don't actually have that outlook on life anymore. They're spending it now because they don't even have an anticipation of those other years anymore. And that's a very sad place that we've kind of found ourselves. And so those resources that you're asking about now, they're scarce. They're scarce. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to fight whether it's against the legislation that we see coming up in multiple states, and it's not just here. I have family as Crown Attorney in Montreal who's actually soon to retire. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see this in multiple countries. I see it in multiple governances. I've seen it in California, Louisiana, um, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, all over. And the problem lies with our government. And the problem lies with who we are electing to put into government to represent us. We have allowed these individuals to represent us for far too long. I don't know if the two of you or any of our listeners are familiar with Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan was an American astronaut, uh, I'm sorry, astronomer and an astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Terry would be familiar. I was hoping maybe she would catch Billions, billions and billions. Yes. (laughs) And I'm well aware of the individual. He was great. He was great, yes. But Carl made a statement, and he said one of the saddest lessons of history is that if we've been bamboozled long enough, we tend to reject any evidence of the bamboozle. Mm -hmm. We're no longer Mm -hmm. interested in finding out the truth. The bamboozle has captured us. It's simply too painful to acknowledge, even to ourselves, that we've been taken. Once you've given a charlatan power over you, you almost never get it back. And I think that's where we find ourselves today, because especially in the trans community, this is our time. We have never in the history of the world, but especially here in the United States, had an administration that is so pro-LGBTQ+. And if we do not capture this moment mm-hmm. and speak up and speak out and get our people in a representative state, we will let this moment pass and it may never come back again. Yeah, that's very true. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It's well, about I, that a lot. I mean, with Biden, 
being our president now and by the skin of his teeth, you know, we got him yeah. voted in and, you know, barely if that insurrection on January the 6th had gone further, we would be in a world of shit right now. Oh, it would be horrible for everybody. And I hope US. that Biden, you know, he has promised to pass the Equality Act in his first hundred days. I mean, the things he's done thus far and rolling back the demonstration discriminatory policies that Trump had put in place are just extremely pro- profound how quickly he has done that for us. And I think some of the backlash going on, of course, is these anti-trans kid bills yeah. and all the legislatures across the United States. But he he is our friend. Oh, my God. And I hope he continues. And if we can get the Equality Act passed, that will that will go a long way in really protecting us down the road. <clears throat> When another Republican administration is elected in, in which it, that will happen. Yeah. So it will I, happen. And, you know, it's like Nikki said, and you said last week, I think it was uh, maybe the week before, we have got to get these laws out of an executive order status. We have got mm-hmm. to get them passed as a law. We cannot continue to only have rights for every two to four years. Yeah. It has got to stop. Yeah. Yes. How do you plan long term on a life when you go, well, you know, next administration, um, I'm going to be illegal. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see, what what can I do to survive that until we get the next administration and that I'll be legal? Exactly. Again? And what future is that not only for ourselves, but for our children, for for our future generation? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. There is no future for us. And it's yeah. not just for us, but that's for all communities, because, you know, Injustice anywhere is injustice for all. And so that affects every community. And I think that's what some people miss out on. They really miss yep. out on it. They don't yes. understand. That's not my fight. That's the trans fight. That's the gay fight. That's oh, the African American fight. That's the Latino fight. We are so subdivided amongst ourselves as mm-hmm. minorities that if we could ever, ever just pull together and get ourselves organized, (laughs) we would literally be able to change this entire world. I don't say rule it because we're not here to rule over anything because that's just another conspiracy theory for Margie Taylor Green to spin for QAnon to put on a hat and go storm the Capitol and scream from a megaphone. We're not here to rule or to take over. We want co-power. We want to co-exist. We just want the same rights as the rest of you have to live and exist. And yeah. I don't know why that's so hard and difficult to understand. Camille, we, we have a question from, from our audience. Please. Uh, Robin, Robin Kincaid, an old friend of mine. Uh, Camille, what would ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment do for our community? ERA, back from the 70s. Mm. Very good question. So I think you know as well as I do, uh, something to that level, um, it's a possibility. Uh, for us, I think it would have to be a lot more detailed than what we're looking at now. Um, there needs to be specific language. There needs to be specific language in all the laws that are being passed, even in the executive orders that are being passed right now. Uh, they're, they're still very broad. They're mm-hmm. still very broad. Mm-hmm. Um, they are there. The protections are there. But they're open to interpretation. So even yeah. if what's in place now gets before the Supreme Court, and Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you've stood there, as have some of the rest of us, in a Supreme Court setting, you know how those are going to be interpreted. Now, we've got some very, very, very diversified Supreme Court justices right now, 
but you know who put most of them there um, as they sit here today, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then again, we also saw that they didn't support him when he needed them most. I know. So God, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know where their loyalty stands. I think it stands the way that everybody else's loyalty is, and that's CYA. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, but, uh, I mean, when, when Gorsuch voted for us, that 6-3 decision back in June of last year, my God, that was way unexpected to mm-hmm. have that kind yeah. of vote protecting our employment rights as a community. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. amazing. So even in the Equality Act, I mean, obviously, uh, that's something that he's, you know, Biden is hoping to try to pass within the next, you know, 100 days, like Terry had mentioned in that. And um, we can. And the I deep, mean, it'll go down to a 50-50 vote, and right. Kamala will do the tiebreaker. Right. So, okay. So we say that we say that that passes, though. This is the idea. If that passes, uh, how much detail has to be written into that Equality Act to ensure protections uh, long term in regards to that? And then the second question that I have is, how does the Equality Act truly affect state legislation so that we don't have to continually keep hearing about the crap about, you know, trans kids not being able to get the help that they want, uh, not being able to get the equal rights even for for the general population in some of these states? So, you know, for us in Canada, it's a little bit different. We've just had five other legislations passed here that is incredible uh, because we are obviously so you know equality based in Canada so that's my question to you what do you think you know and it's funny that you talked about the differences between uh, trans US trans Canadian and one of the things that I found interesting was um, the fact just the fact that to pull up information on trans census within the United States it's almost null and void because there is not enough interest in it and there are no grants and studies that have been put forward to continue that census on it. So we don't Mm -hmm. actually have an accurate accountability of that. It's actually better sought from a local state and Mm -hmm. county by county area where we have those community agencies that are taking those numbers in because the last true U.S. census that we have that represents the uh, trans community as a whole was done by the Williams Institute back in 2016, which only showed 0.42% of the population in the U.S. And we know that that's not accurate. It's not. Obviously. Because those individuals either, they either refused to answer, they were scared, they could not identify, or they just didn't go after them to ask the question to identify. Um, because the census was faulty, to be honest with you. However, if you look at uh, studies like what was done in uh, Canada by Transpulse, you'll find that they've stated that one in 200 Canadians identify as some form of trans. Mm-hmm. One in 200. Yes. One in 200. And that's, that's amazing to me, the difference just between crossing a border. That's 0.5%. I mean, that would be 0.5%. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's so. a huge difference. That's a huge difference. But to answer your question, so what we have now, even if that was passed and well-written from a federal level, if it's not done at the state level, you have what's basically equivalent to a legal nightmare because then you have to fight it through all 
of our legal systems on a state appellate. You mm -hmm. have to do the appeals. You have to go through the state system, um, uh, Supreme Court. Then eventually you may be given the chance to find it in federal court. And at that point, you would have a standing right because we have those federal laws that would enact at that place. But then again, do you really have that standing? Because the federal judges may then at that time say, we're not going to overstep our bounds by telling a state what they can and can't enact within their own communities and within their own citizens. So our fight really starts at a state level, state right. by state by state. And if we can flip states like Georgia from red to blue, then we can do this and we can do it starting now, starting this year, not next year, not the end of this year, not the middle of this year, but get off of your backside and let's get this started now and today because the moment is going to pass. We're going to become a token of yesterday and this oh, opportunity yes. is going to yeah. go away. Yeah. It's interesting, though, when you talk about this, because obviously people do have to come to the forefront and let their, their, their positions be known. And when you're in red states, you don't have, your, like you just mentioned, you know, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, you know, so many different areas and things that people don't want to stand up. Um, you know, so that's going to be a really difficult thing to try to. You know, although just wonderful and great that if people could stand up and do this and that, how do you get that message out to get people to say, no, don't worry, don't have that fear, even though you're in a Republican state that basically wants to fry you? Well, Nikki, you know, that it bears something to mind for me. There are uh, a lot of people hear me talk about peace, world peace, community mm -hmm. peace. Mm -hmm. There are three people in this world. There are people like me that believe peace exists mm -hmm. and world peace can exist. Mm -hmm. Then there are people that really believe that it can never exist, that world peace can never exist. And I'm okay with those people because those people haven't given up and we can still change mm -hmm. their mind. The people that scare me, the people that really scare me are the ones that know world peace can exist but truly believe that it will never happen because those are the ones that have lost their hope. And the way that I relate that back to these type of situations are the ones that have been hearing about this fight for so long within our own community. And they hear the fact that, you know, well, we've heard about this for generations. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. And we're just over it. We're going to go out here to the clubs. We're going to live our life. We're going to just do whatever we want. And the hell with the rest of it. You cannot have that mindset. That difference starts here. It right. starts here and it starts here. And our activism and getting out in our community, which is difficult right now with the pandemic, but things like Raw Talk, Trans Talk Raw, all of these programs that people are watching our online activism, and there was no offense given to the individual that um, I spoke to in the comment section on Transgender Alliance that had more of a stance of um, not being so active with oh, our- Oh yeah, on, the, um, on, our, on our petition, on our petition correct. that we needed to let and the dogs was, lie for a while, so to speak, yeah. Exactly, but I'm sorry, this is not the time for that. That's why we found ourselves where we are today because we chose to make deals mm -hmm. in back rooms with these individuals <clears throat> and we have no voice because we sold our voice. Yes. To those 
yeah. and they own that voice. But I'm here to tell you, they don't own my voice. They will never yeah. own my voice. No, absolutely. They no, can no, kill sure. me and take yeah. it, but my words will live on. And as long as I continue to write and we continue to do these type of shows that live on over the airwaves, over YouTube, over wherever, people mm-hmm. are hearing this and their hearts are being stirred and we are making that difference that we want to see and we will continue to push. Yeah. Camille, I want to ask you to go back to the Equality Act. Do you think it would be somewhat similar to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and its effect upon how states mm. um, handled that? You know, I hear a lot of comparisons to that, and essentially kind of the foundations would be the same. But if you think about it, the type of equality is completely different because we're talking about the differences in race versus general equality. What we're asking for is actually already legal. Mm. It's already legal. These are already laws that are in that are in place that are not being upheld. We're not asking for favorable law. We're asking for equal law, recognition under the current law, and having that law extend out to state level, mm-hmm. and to have legislators that are presenting law that is in opposition to existing law. You and I spoke on that, Terry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Had some of this legislation passed, it actually would retroact and put into account other laws that are on the books that would then either have to be changed mm-hmm. or stricken, one of the two, because the two, the multiples could not coexist together. Can't coexist. It opens up such a, such a Pandora's box. It opens up mm-hmm. such a legal yeah. Pandora's box. It does. And, and they and don't like seem the to realize said, that. I, I don't, I don't recall her name, and I won't continue to uh, – I'm not going to call her name. Let me just say that from, from the post feed. Mm-hmm. She is evidently an activist. I looked into her. She is a wonderful person. She just has mm-hmm. a different approach, and everyone does. I think she's an absolutely fantastic person. I saw a lot of the work that she does, and I have absolutely nothing against that. Well, it's I mean, she, she did approach. get accomplished a major thing here in Alabama um as far as the gender marker on the driver's license she was yes. spearheading yes. that so yeah uh, accolades I, to her I saw that. yes mm-hmm. yes and i give all of that like i said it is a different approach and so from my standpoint with that i think referring back to your original question um you know that may be a foundational way to go But to be honest, I think we need a council that is formed state by state, and those individuals are representing us. Instead of these individual groups, like we have HRC, which is great. That is wonderful. It's one of our only voices right now in many states. But we need a government-formed agency that is our representatives, that are our true representatives, that are not the ones going to lunch with these individuals going to dinner with these individuals and getting a little too comfortable for my personal taste. And I think that's what's happened to the people that we thought were on our side because I think they have gotten just a little too comfortable. And it's time for them to either stand up, speak out, and represent the people that put them there or go back home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's I, I've always found it so fascinating. Obviously, the U.S. has so many interconnections and, you know, disagreements and just how the whole structure is behind the whole governmental system, all of that, right, which really convolutes a whole bunch of, of things. So it's a very difficult process to be able to try to make these types of changes in order to be able to get the movement going in the right direction. So Mike, I guess the one question that I would have to you is, is that how do you feel we can make that connection so that you don't lose this opportunity in the next year? Because you did mention that we need to start, you know, as, as individuals in the U.S., you need to start making that change now. You, you need to start to focus on that now. So how do you get that message out to these places? You know, we go on Trans Talk Raw, we talk about this kind of stuff and everything, and it's all wonderful and great ideas. We get some really good, solid opinions about it. But we really, truly got to start just stepping up to the plate and get it done. So how do you see that next set of steps being done so it's not just a case of discussion, it's truly making change and starting to move things forward? Absolutely. And I'm going to approach that in two separate ways, Nikki, if I can. The first is the involvement side of it. And so not just with this petition, as I've said from the beginning of this particular program, so not just with what involves the trans community, but what involves any community of minority because it, it, it affects us all, as we talked about. So be involved with these state legislators. It doesn't take that much effort. It's a two-minute Google search on your state website to see what is coming up, what is coming up on the bills, what is being presented, what is being represented in your own backyard. It is not a lot of effort. Two minutes, two minutes. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to take five minutes, five minutes out of your day. Forget, think about the fact of how long a commercial is in the middle of any one of those programs that people sit on their backside and watch for hours on end, or how much time do we spend on these on Facebook, and taking those damn cosmopolitan tests or whatever the heck it is that people do now, you know, I'm a potato or I'm a this, or I don't know what the heck it is because I don't take them <laughs> because all they are is a way into stealing all of your information. I don't yeah, know what, what Disney, yes. what Disney yeah, princess are you, Camille? It. What Disney princess are exactly. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a, I would not make a very good princess. I'm too damn outspoken, but I would make a very good, I don't know, administrative queen. Queen, no yes, queen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's the one with all the power. The princess just gets That's to swirl it. around yeah. in a pretty dress. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a power. I'm more of a power suit individual, less dress. <laughs> yeah. But think about the time that we really do spend, um, you know, on those apps and all of these things, which are fine because they do. They kind of distract us and give us that mental break from the world. Yeah. But it's, an, it's an escape. It's an escape. It is. It is. But we can filter that time. We can filter that time. People that say that we just don't have time, we can find it. Because if something else was that important <laughs> to us, we wanted to go somewhere with friends. We wanted to go to a lunch. We wanted to go back in the day, I will say, mm -hmm. uh, a whole 2019. You wanted to go to a concert. You wanted to go to a movie. You mm -hmm. found time for that. But we have to realize how important this is. This is so much more important because if we don't get a hold of this, we're not going to be allowed to do those things. And that sounds extreme. That really sounds extreme. 
but it's not that far off. It's really not. No, it's, it's so the not. second part of that really comes into play. And I want to share something with you. Um, if we have a moment, because we talk about, we have a lot what, of moments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about what stirs activism. And so one of the things that I hope to accomplish here today with however many people we have on or whoever watches this in the future um, is really knowing that I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. First of all, I tell everyone, I am no one from nowhere, but everyone is someone from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everyone, because you can come from the wealthiest family or you can come from somebody who literally plowed dirt to make a living. And each one of those people can make the same difference if they choose to. It's not about your means. It's about your effort. I have seen people. I had a company that we used Goodwill Easter Seal to hire people to work for us, to give them an effort to make a living because they wanted to work. They wanted to give back to the community. There was a gentleman who literally pulled a garbage cart in our, in our hallways. He had no arms, literally none. He used a strap, and the other gentleman picked it up with a, uh, um, a grab, and he pulled the cart using straps. Mm. And if that individual can get out of bed and come to those offices and work a 12-hour shift all day, six days a week, then I think the rest of the community can get up. By the way, he was LGBTQ+. Plus and was very excited when he came in and interviewed with me and was just over the moon. And we had the most wonderful conversation. And um, he just wanted somebody to pick him up so that he could go downtown and experience one night out. He wanted to go to a club. Anyway, so we gave that to him. And literally to this day, I cannot even talk about it or think about it without it bringing more joy to me than years of me going out of stupidness, you know, just drinking and partying with people that didn't matter none whatsoever. But if people like that can have the heart to make a difference, then the rest of us can do that too. And that activism and that power starts within us. And that number one way to start that is to change ourselves and to change our thinking. And, mm-hmm. you know, we hear that same old saying, and we, we may have t-shirts with it, we may post it on our Facebook walls. We probably have it. You know, I've seen people put it on lettering on their walls in the offices. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Doesn't that just sound lovely? Be the change you wish to see in the world. And it looks great when we're having coffee and it's in the background and you're having a Zoom <laughs> yes. meeting. And everybody's like, well, isn't she just nifty? Well, that's great. As long as it's some damn vinyl letters sitting on the back of the wall behind your coffee pot. But what are you actually doing to make that a part of your life each and every day? I mean, truly. So each day, wake up and decide what you're doing to make that a part of your life. And also remember, you are in control. You are in control. And the only power anyone has over you whether it's your family situation, we hear that on this show. We hear it through our group. We hear it in our personal lives. We hear people talk all the time. My mom, my dad, my brother, my son, my daughter, my this, my that. They said this. They said that. I feel this way. I feel that way. 
the only power these people have over us is the power we give them. Sure. And that goes from a state level, federal level, and a family level. Those three Fs, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And if you don't give it, they can't take it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I want people to really remember is to forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. If you don't remember anything else from my interview today, I really want everyone here to walk away knowing to forgive and to let go and to remember the weak can never forgive because forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. And fighting evil with evil has never been able to help anyone. So the only way that we're going to make progress with this is to know that we have to forgive ourselves and we have to forgive the people that are trying to hurt us, but we can't retaliate against them with other evil. So sending hate emails to match the hate emails that we're getting from them or to match the hate publicity with hate publicity, mm-hmm. it only makes us look like the same level that they're on. Sure. Yeah. So we have to match that with a higher level. We have to retaliate with a higher level of response. So without the action, you're not going anywhere. You know, without action, you're not going anywhere. As the, uh, the Old South used to say, an ounce of practice is worth more than a ton of preaching. And so you can have people on their soapbox all day long preaching to you about what you should do, where you should go, how you should act, how you should live. But if that person that's preaching that to you is not living that, then where's the example? Where are you going with that? Yeah. Do, yeah. do you walk? Do you walk your talk? That's right. Exactly. That's that's the exactly. question. You, and I know we've all seen preachers. I have who certainly did not walk their talk. What they talked about on a Sunday morning or or whatever day that one would worship on. That um, you find out that they're liars. Mm. It is beyond. Well, and you know, and think about horrible. it, Terry. You and Nikki both are a form of a preacher. I mean, you have an outlet to our community and to many people. But in the same sense, the two of you are walking that and you're living that to the best of your abilities. You're living that each day, but you're also human and you can do what you can do within your abilities and your means, but you're out there and you're being active. So, you know, not just from a religious standpoint, preaching, you know, that's just the antic Mm -hmm. that I use, but... Every single person that's out there, you hear them. And we have the same thing with a lot of people that call themselves allies. And they say, you know, oh, well, good for you. I, I just wish you the best, and I just hope that all works out for you. Yeah. Just, just don't like, ask me to do problems. anything. Yeah, okay? don't, you know, don't make me commit. Just, yeah, don't exactly. make me you commit. Know, just, just because I voted for Donald Trump doesn't mean I'm against <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, one of the other things that we think about is taking care of this moment, taking care of this moment. So we can't think on what's going to be happening, you know, in our future tense. And I think that's where a lot of us get too bogged down, mm-hmm. where we start to focus too much on, well, what about next year? We have to think about where, where is this happening? Where is that happening? Where am I going with this? We need to take this moment and live in the moment of what is happening in our communities, what is happening, you know, like we said, at a state and federal level, but really supporting our people where they're at now, 
just like we had not too long ago. The individual, I believe somewhere in Florida, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was in a special situation. We had to get her over to Louisiana. We pulled together and we did that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, we made that happen. That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We made that happen. And I'm very proud of the individuals. I don't know who everybody was, but thank you uh, to them and to everyone who has done multiple things like that over the years and continue to do that. When we have somebody that steps up and says help, first of all, that's a difficult thing to do in our mm-hmm. community and in any community. Yeah, we, we didn't call the HRC. We didn't call GLAD. Yeah. We didn't, you know, that was a, a, a local situation and local people who are in the community yeah. and dedicated to things like that. We made that happen. And it was awesome to see. And, and it happened It happened really quickly. Mm-hmm. When she it did, it, I noticed Not that. next week, not next month, not next year. It happened that day. Right. It wasn't filled right. out of form. Let me put some things together and let's see what we can, you know, let's start a GoFundMe. It was get mm-hmm. in the car, let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have that ability. And, you know, everyone is human. We claim to be, you know, simple individuals and our liability is error. And as long as we're willing to confess that and re-step our, retrace our steps, then the only place that we can go is forward is truly forward. Um, and being true to ourselves, just really honestly being true to yourself. You know, even if you thought pulling together, you have a car, but you don't have the gas money. Maybe somebody else has the gas money, but mm-hmm. they don't have the time to go and do it, or they don't have a car, yeah. you know. Yeah. You may not be the one who go gets the person in need, but you can give money to the person who is going. Yeah, and exactly. support there. Exactly. You know, maybe maybe they don't have the income you do, but if you can give them gas money, and pay for their meals, even if it's after the fact, that is huge. That is a wonderful thing to do for somebody. You know, yeah, definitely. And you know, also one thing that I want to say on that too is the fact that um, so many times when we do things, not us in general, but I see these these group agencies some in our community, some not in our community, but they take these individuals that are already struggling. They are already having such a difficult time and they make a PR ad out of them. Mm -hmm. They put them to the forefront. They're on the first page of their website. They're like, look what we did. We helped little Susie Q. Little Susie Q used to be Johnny Q and she wanted to become her true self. And so we took our funding and we took our efforts and we did everything we could to help her live her true life. She was homeless on the street. Look at exhibit A. Here she is with no clothes, doing heroin in the street corner. And here she is today. We got her an apartment. She's living on B Avenue. She's really living life. You don't have to take credit for every damn thing you do. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yes, for the good do of it. doing it. Yeah. Let, me, exactly. let me ask you a side question. You know, we've had in the news several celebrities that have mm-hmm. come out as trans. What do, you, what do you think of the accolades and all the stuff that are put on the celebrities uh, who come I out? am immensely glad that you said that because I wanted to share that today. Someone who I used to actually not think so much of um, prior to her coming out, now, she did not come out as trans. She came out in the LGBTQ community. But she built an absolute empire within the youth community. And she literally risked every dime 
she has made. And if that in this world for our youth who are money obsessed, fame obsessed, is not saying that she did this for the right reason, I don't know any other pre-qualification. I did not care for her because I did not take the time to understand her. And I will be the first person to openly admit I prejudged her. I prejudged her based on image and based on the image that she then projected onto some family members that I have. And um, the clothing just absolutely got on the nerves because I grew up with big southern bows and I had hoped they died 20,000 years ago. But she revived them and she made a multi-million dollar industry out of them. And, of course, I'm talking about JoJo Siwa. And I want to read to you, um, the Trevor Project actually released this last night. And um, they stated, when LGBTQ plus young people are able to see themselves and their stories authentically represented, it can offer them perspective on how to cope with the real struggles they're facing while also helping them envision a brighter future. And so she actually took... Jojo Siwa, for those of you who don't know, is a young girl who um, uh, I don't have a picture to put up, but she is an absolute beautiful example to a lot of young girls who needed that in this day and age, who didn't need to you know, put their bodies on display. And I won't get into that subject because you know everybody has their opinion on that and to each their own but just to have an alternative to that, you know, and she kind of gave a wholesome alternative to some of the things that are in mainstream media today. And she put that on the line and she came out. A lot of other individuals are coming out too. And we're seeing this in, in the trans community and, and across the board. And they just don't care anymore. They're living their true self. And they're like, if it affects my bottom dollar, it affects it and I'll live and we'll move on. But it's not. It's not. And that is telling us green light, people, green light. We can move forward. It is our time and we can shine. Speak up, speak out. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Yeah, no question. There seems to be a dearth lately, and you may be right. The green light is really shining for all these individuals who have been in the closet so long. And it's like, I have community. There mm -hmm. are people out there like well, and, me, and I can be a shining light for those who are still in the dark. Well, think about how many years that all of us had to live in that darkness. Mm -hmm. And we didn't think that we were actually making the difference. But for these children, because she's still a child, and now mm -hmm. she may be a multimillionaire uh, and supersedes my net worth, but she's a child. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if we have created a community where these children can openly and safely come out of their own accord, my God, we have come so far and we have accomplished what we set out to do. Now, our fight is a long ways from over. Oh, God, yeah. But just think about would you ever have thought about when we were children being oh, able hell to no. do that? Are you mm. kidding? When I was a teen back in the mid-70s, Lord, no. Mm -mm. Yeah. 
Well, no, the, the youth are going to drive everything. And I think the youth are coming out more and more driving us as a society. I mean, you know, basically the three of us here are going to be long gone, but the youth will still survive. They will be the ones that are pushing movement forward. And I think you're starting to see that more and more, even in the elections. A lot more young people are starting to come out. They're starting to vote. They're starting to realize that they have the ability to make change. And truly make change. And I think one of the things that's going to be so important when we even talk about just in generalization as to the people that we put into power, once the youth start to realize that they do have that control, they will start to push that forward. And I think that's really going to be the true message that has to get out there is letting the youth know you can vote. You can make change. You can get this crap out of the system. And the whole idea by, behind it is, is that, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, these, these young people are coming out and saying, you know what? So what? I'm just doing it anyways. And, you know, those, I believe, truly are the individuals that have the power in this day and age. And they have to realize that they have to embrace that and move that forward. And we'll really have power as time goes on. I mean, just think about the avenues of expression that we have today with technology. TikTok, Instagram, Mm -hmm. Twitter, Facebook. A teen can get on these, build a following, have a message, and, you know, have millions of followers on TikTok and where else. And when they come out, that is a huge, huge impact. Mm -hmm. The The only problem now that I really see is that when these young people come out and they come onto these platforms, the platform algorithms are built by older generation. And when the algorithm sees that a young person is becoming very strong and popular in an area of, say, our community, the algorithm shuts them down. Nope, we can't have this occur and happen because it's a threat against who we are. And this is going to be always a problem until we start to get the old guard out. And, well, I, you, you know, know, that might be to a case, but if, if it's generating money for said platform... Well, now you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, but but they're going to push okay. it regardless. So I know of it's money in their pocket, and they don't care where they. Yeah, is. but I know three people right now. One on TikTok that had over two million followers, and TikTok shut the accounts down, even though they were making a ton of money because it was, was going the against the policy. Okay. What was stated? I mean, what was stated is... No, it, uh, her name is Rose. Uh, she is very much at the forefront of uh, LGBTQ, uh, explains everything. She's actually a very much a professional in all of that. Um, and yeah, they sh- they've shut her feeds down completely. And she had millions of followers. Um, and then I have seen numerous other times on TikTok. Now, TikTok, you have to look at where the initial development of that app comes from and who is controlling the algorithms. China. And, China. Exactly. China. And of course, we as an LGBTQ China. community are not actually seen as being real wonderful individuals. So even when you say that the dollar figures are there, you still have to see who's in control. And that's going to be yeah, the yeah. biggest yeah. issue because I've seen even people that are just uh, I, uh, two other people that I know on TikTok um, have and I've been in communication with. One is uh, just a gay man, um, very boisterous, mentions, you know, says it the way it is, uh, very forthright, shut down. 
you know, because they are trying to choke us off. So even though you do say that the dollars are the ones that are driving it, yeah, I, I agree, money talks. But also in turn two, beliefs talk. And that's one of the things that they might turn around and say, you know what, I don't really care how much money this account is going because the other 73 accounts that are also generating money that are against you are we're going to go and grab those dollars and we lose one dollar here, but we gain seven over here. Boom. That's when it occurs and happens. And I see it more and more happening all the time. But people do fight back. They go back after the policymakers. They're filing complaints. They're doing extensive amount of work as to what they can. But again, it's just and I'm just kind of giving a quick overview as to how I kind of see things, even with the individuals that I'm talking to. But Nikki, you made an actually an excellent point, as you normally do. Um, I didn't mean for that to sound like you didn't normally like that was an epiphany, but really did hit the nail. <laughs> no worries, girl. No worries, girl. It's an open show, <laughs> open-minded, all over the place. No judgment. No, but no you really, we, you we really are raw. Make, we are raw. We are raw, and that's what we love about it. Okay, so let it fly, girl. Let it fly, yes, ma'am. No, you really did hit a very valid point there, um, because there is uh, both of you are talking about the same subject, but subcategories. So. <laughs> The money is there, but it's the representation of what's presenting that money. And it's the same old tale that's been there since the beginning of time, even before social media existed, before Internet, before electronics, period, when we were still lighting candles and pulling down chandeliers down at Downton Abbey. So you have people like Jojo Siwa, who, in no offense to her, very bright eyed, blonde hair, cute face, sellable. That, we can promote you. We can let you go. Because you're promotable. You're not very big. I mean, she's activist, but she's not in your face activist yet, yet, yet. I do, you know, I falter an asterisk there to say yet as of right now. So she's good to go. She's got the green light. But Mm -hmm. these other individuals like you're talking about, sure, they have the generation of funding. They have the generation of followers, but they're also probably a lot more controversial. So those are the ones that the platforms are going to say, hmm, you know what, you're not quite falling into the ranks of where you need to be. It was exactly the same way, and Terry knows, I worked for a $426 billion a year company, $426 billion with a B, not an M, dollar a year company, based out of your beautiful country, out of Toronto, mm-hmm. Canada. I was on the U.S. District Energy side. I was an executive, an executive on the board working in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was actually in charge of a lot of the HR diversity programs on our side. I worked with all of our individuals. I was actually let go because I made a shift in my outward appearance and my outward ability to say, I'm tired of living in this consolidated little box that fits what you want me to look like every day. And I can no longer continue to say, oh, equality is okay from a low-level perspective, but on our executive level up here in these offices, it's not. And I work directly with the vice president of the U.S. corporation, and so his office was directly next to mine. And so in that, I can tell you, in my change in appearance, when I finally just, it wasn't like I just walked in one day 
<laughs> and look like the queen mother. Um, you know, it was just the fact that they wanted you to look as you did when you were born. And if you lived something else at home, then that was fine. Just don't bring it to the to the oh, top. Just, just don't bring it home with you, okay? You leave yes. that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is here. Yeah. And we're really exactly. concerned about what other people think. That yeah. is paramount. Exactly. Exactly. Can, yeah, you, and, can you still see me? I'm sorry. Yeah, so we did lose... Uh, we, can, we can hear you. We, we can't see Yeah, we, we did lose your video, but that's okay. okay. Just so long as you can, you can, you're still allowed to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We won't penalize you on this, girl. <laughs> it is Trans Talk Raw. We never know what the heck is going to happen here. So, yeah, you know. Technology, we don't always have much control over that. We have very little control on that a lot of times. So what, what, um, what happened after that? Camille, what, um, so what did they tell you that, this, um, this board of directors? It actually was, it was an absolute nightmare. It was a nightmare. So um, they started to uh, tune me out on a lot of things. Um, I would be intentionally left out of meetings mm-hmm. that I was actually in charge of. Like they were my meetings. And um, am I back on now? Yes. Yeah, and can you tilt kind of your screen? Your up okay. so we yeah, can just see. tilt your screen a bit so we yeah, can see yes, you yes. a little bit more. Yeah, just tilt it up because we have we we sometimes get you with just at eyes mm-hmm. cut off. Yeah, yeah. There, that's, that's better. better. That's, that's better. better. Just just okay. stay there. Don't move. <laughs> just oh, you, move. you just you just make your pretty little face stay right there. Okay. <laughs> this is my life, my darlings. This is my life every day. <laughs> and in everybody's life, life these days oh my and God, everybody's you know, life yes everybody's life yeah like this these days it's the formaldehyde um okay you're good got your pearly whites are you sure i'm i'm in there okay oh no that's nikki's yes. screen i'm seeing i'm like what the heck is that in the background i don't have a window it's like what is that <laughs> okay so we're we're gonna get this together at some point um so basically, I was missing. I wasn't missing meetings, but I was being disincluded from those meetings that I had mm-hmm. set up. So what they were doing was, say, the meeting wasn't Tuesday at nine o'clock. All of a sudden, they sent out a separate email that said the meetings at Monday at three thirty, knowing that I would be in a meeting at two that would last until four, or if there were representatives of the city that were meeting at four o'clock, all of a sudden I would be sent on a special assignment that would be out of town, that sort of thing that would keep mm-hmm. me out of the loop. And that just sort of continued to happen for a few months. And I was completely shut out to the point that they thought that I would be so ostracized that I would just leave. Right. I would leave because they yeah. knew that I internally I was a very emotional person. Externally, I was mommy dearest at the Pepsi Cola board meeting. And it was basically don't F with me. This is not my first rodeo boys. And I probably have that same exact suit. So here's the deal. Outwardly, I can give it to you. Internally, I was literally decaying. I was decaying. Mm-hmm. I would sit in my office for hours, I didn't know what to do. All of my assignments had been stripped from me, everything. And I knew what they were doing. They were building their way to say, he's being deficient in his, you know, derelict in his genius. Sure. Yeah, setting you up. So what I did was I just continued to make special projects for myself because I was going to stay active and doing something. 
And then I started to be more heavily involved from the operations side. And I put myself like I put my boots on uh, still toes and I was down in the operational plans and I was talking to all of the guys and girls. Um, and I was there in the trenches with everyone every day. I just showed up and whatever needed to be done, I would say, if this is a need you have, let me go back and see if we can solve it for you. And then eventually that fizzled out. And when they realized a few months later that that wasn't going to work, uh, the threats came. Yeah. And I would receive lovely little notes that were tucked under my keyboard, um, nasty little things that were written on the bathroom mirror, um, Mm tires slashed of course that never happened that was just coincidental mind you of course Um, that was absolutely coincidental Mm -hmm. um and finally i went to lunch one day i had a wonderful lunch because i had a wonderful set of employees that we adored each other we still talk we absolutely we will meet up for lunch um matter of fact one of them texted me this morning uh who knew about the show and she was like just have a wonderful show, wish you all the best. And she was super excited about it. Um, and of course she, she was like, well, I wanted to see it. And I was like, well, it's, it's kind of, you know, the community part. Of it. I was like, next time we have lunch, I'll let you like look at it on my phone. So she understood. But um, I got back from lunch and literally with no warning, nothing at all, I was given a notice to leave the premises that I no longer work there. And I said, well, what is the reasoning? And they literally looked at me and on the paper, because it is legal standing, on the paper said that my lifestyle did not fit the image of the company. My lifestyle did not fit the image of the company. And that literally the very next line on the paper said, we need no further explanation of this decision. And then I was to be escorted immediately without being able to clear my office, which I had had for years. And I had a very large corner office. And I don't know if the rest of you are like me, if you've had offices. First of all, if I had three days worth of an office, but this is years, it's going to take me a minute, a minute to get that cleaned out. Um, I've got a life in there. I lived in that office literally because during hurricane season, I had a bed in there. I had sofa. I had, you know, personal clothing and a closet in there. There was my whole life existed in there. All of my family photos I was surrounded by, um, everything you can think of, including my cell phone. And so at the time we were in the middle of an adoption and I had a one and a half year old who was at a special needs preschool. Well, the phone, I started out with two phones my personal phone and the company phone. And they pushed for me the first three months. They were like, oh, don't have two bills. We're going to cover you. You can have it for business and personal. We're going to take care of everything for you, living, stipend, everything. Because that was before they acknowledged who I was, obviously. And before they found out, and of course, you know, you weren't in the good boys club anymore at that point. And so um, that day, all I had was my company phone because they had forced me to get rid of my personal phone. Mm. So that meant I immediately lost all contact with my mother, who was on hospice, my special needs son, who was at the school, who I got called about like daily. You know, they had no way of contacting me otherwise. Like I lost all communications with everyone because they literally took my phone that instant. All of my photos, everything, everything was gone. They took my life away from me. 
in an instant. And I had no legal recourse whatsoever. I did go out and I hired um, an attorney who represented the LGBTQ community at that time. And I had spoken to him earlier on several months prior uh, to say, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. I expect it to happen within the next few months. And he had did everything that he could to kind of build a case around it. And then when it happened, he's like, you know, I don't want you to throw tens of thousands of dollars at me and walk away with nothing because mm -hmm. you can't even do an EEOC claim at this point. You're in Louisiana. You have no standing. So I reached out to Lambda Legal because I wanted to make this a landmark case. I wanted to make this a forefront. Here you have a 400 and some odd billion dollar a year company whose platform is all about getting government contracts based on equality and taking care of their employees. And they publicize that in order to get these contracts with cities and government agencies. Yet and still, they're letting go one of their top individuals in that area for that very reason. Mm -hmm. And Lambda Legal refused to touch it. They absolutely wow. refused to touch it. So I also refused to continue my donations to them. And I know they have to kind of pick and choose. You know, they can't take every case. But this really, truly could have been a landmark case, in my opinion. Yeah, it sounds like uh, basically they knew they were going up a multi-billion dollar company and they knew they couldn't win because the multi-billion dollar company had more deeper pockets than what they did. Lifestyle, that is such a euphemism that is for bullshit. Yeah. discrimination. You know, I don't agree with your lifestyle. It's like, you know, going to Alabama football games every Saturday is a lifestyle. Antiquing <laughs> on the weekend is it's a, a lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah. Being Hobbies. LGBTQ yeah. is not a lifestyle. So let me ask you, what year did this occur? Like, what was the year that this had occurred? That literally happened in uh, June 2019. Wow. <laughs> That just blows me away because very, I would have thought that, that, you know, and I mean, especially when, see, this is what we talk about when even the dollars are, you know, when there's that much dollars, you know, and they don't like you, uh, they can boot you no matter what, because they don't care, right? Here, come no, out. Also, oh, you know, gee, it's a we company, have this is during Trump administration. Sure it is. He mm -hmm. is slamming us, slammed us left and right continually over the extent of his administration. And these companies, Bill and Bolden, especially when they've had that bent already, and they're just talking the talk, not really walking the walk. Mm -hmm. And they feel emboldened to do what they did. Yeah. But but the part that really kills me is like, talk about just absolute bullshit. You, you, you say that you are an equality company, and yet you're flinging everybody out the door on one side and taking the government money on the other side. And they're going like, ha ha ha, we control everything because we control the dollars. So again, it's kind of back to what the when I was yeah. talking about the platforms and all of that, it's the same thing. You know, it I mean, they got the money, Nikki, when the, oh, yeah. when, when Trump pulled back saying a con you could still get federal dollars and discriminate against LGBT people mm -hmm. on yes. your staff because yes. you mm -hmm. have a religious, sincerely held religious view. My God, we have to respect well, yeah. that. And, and, you know, it's okay. You could do that. And we're still going to give you money. I know. So, and yeah, it's still and about money. But when they knew the pipeline would stay open. 
fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and I get it. I get it. It's just, for me, it's just, I'm blown away because I live in a country that if that would have, you know, and I know that they were tied into Toronto, et cetera, but I think it was more on the U.S. side that this was occurring and happening because we've seen cases in Toronto that are like in Canada that if, if this was going to occur and happen, you go right to the media and it's blowing out right across Canada. And you would yeah. be fried as a corporation if you were to do that, because we this do have, you know, equal right rights for everybody in this country, you know. And even then, it's still yeah, okay. iffy because we have indigenous people that are still suffering and there's things. Yes, in turn, I do realize that. But I would just say that it seems always that the U.S. is just so far behind in so many ways. Canada's not perfect under any sense of the world, but word. But gosh, I really, you know... I, I learned so much from Americans in the things and the stuff that they have to go through and the political structures that are in play. And it's just so convoluted and this and that and everything else. And it's just, oh, my Lord, how do you even get anywhere as a country? We, we literally live from one self-induced crisis to one self-induced crisis. That is literally the history of America. It is. It is. Crisis to the next self-induced crisis. And it just seems like that is if you open a history book and you truly look at it, mm-hmm. that is what it is. Because we have brought the majority, the vast majority of everything that we have suffered through on ourselves. We don't, I mean, pardon from a few international wars that we've gone through, most of which we started, thank you. <laughs> Erasing we, didn't, we didn't start World War II. No, no. <laughs> the rest of this, and with the past four years, almost World War III, mind you. But, you know, if you think about this, first of all, um, those contracts that, that they took mm-hmm. were not one, two, three, four, five-year contracts. These were $25, $45 million contracts over an expanse of 25 years years right we did not deal in little one and two year contracts so when these were taken place we're talking lifetimes we're talking multiple administrations that have to now deal with Mm -hmm. this and i told you that i have family who um crown attorney in uh, montreal and when i reached out to him because i wanted to know if there was an avenue to pursue on the canadian side since, um, you know, their headquarters is in Toronto. And we did have a couple of backdoor avenues that we could have pursued, but he basically stated had it actually occurred in Canada. Um, His own words were, and obviously this is just being facetious, he was like, well, basically you would own the company at that point (laughs) had it happened in Canada. Um, God. But unfortunately, it happened on the U.S. side. Mm -hmm. Like, and you have them do it again, but just do it, you know, in Canada. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like I'll see what I can do. Can you hold on? Let me take a flight to Canada and fire me there. Could you do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's so difficult because you know the the one thing that I've always realized with, and I have quite a few uh, American friends. I mean, obviously Terry, and you know that. And, and the struggles that everybody has to go through and everybody, when you talk to individuals, they are so much at the forefront of what they want to do and make change. And we got to do this and we got to do that and everything. And you get a, you know, and it's to me, it's just, OK, you just went through four years of sheer hell, four years of sheer hell, far, far right. Right. 
And then guess what? Now we're going, boom, four years of, yes, everything is growing great and wonderful and all of that. And then what happens after that? Do you know, there's well, you no know, most consistency. Most of us don't think everything's all hunky-dory. I know. But, Nikki, but at all, all that shit that happened in the last four years, all that is still there. Oh, it is. I get that. And, and I see that. And I and, and as being an individual that kind of sees from the outside in and I don't maybe fully understand, although I am really starting to learn a whole shit ton about how this works, you know, but how can you know the where i see the big issues are is things that will probably never change you can't go in and change the constitution nobody would have the uh, guts yeah, to change can, things but right? it's not changed easily there's a process no. and it's called amending the constitution and through our history we've only amended it like 26 27 times it's mm-hmm. a difficult process it was made that way sure so someone can't just go in and throw a monkey wrench into this right thing. but it's held up really well it, over it has some odd years yeah it, it has but it seems like how it is so heavily manipulated by politicians for their own well-being and are you actually truly standing up for what is said there like do your politicians actually even really truly understand what the hell a constitution is because sometimes I they really do. see that it's like, are you kidding me? How can you say, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Not I mean, that they, I don't say. Also, fun, it's, you know, it's more about our I, system I, hasn't held people's feet to the fire. And I sincerely hope that Donald Trump's feet are held to the fire this ne- next week in the trial in the city. We'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping. We'll see. I, we'll I'm see. hoping. I mean, I very doubt that he will be convicted because of the asshole Republicans in the Senate who are more beholden to him than they are the Constitution of these United States. But the fact that we got it to be brought forward and not to, mm-hmm. you know, to die out was some accountability. But yes. to answer Nikki's question, let me tell you, Nikki, they do understand the Constitution. They understand it better mm-hmm. than most Americans do, and that's why they're able to manipulate it. That's why they've yeah. been able to manipulate it to the point to where they stay in power. And I'm going to tell you the first way that we get through this and we start to move forward is to put term limits on every single mm-hmm. office we have. No more of this <laughs> lifetime appointment. No more of exactly. this seven yeah. years old on an oxygen tank and a lifelong and you are still drawing a check from the United States government. If you are no longer serving this United States government, you are no longer drawing a check from us. You are no longer living off of the backs of our people, and you are out of office. Two years, four years max, you've done your service, in, out, let the next person have their turn. I agree. Well, I think, I think 12, way, 12, 12 years on each side. You get two terms as a senator. You know, four, uh, six I, terms sorry, as a said, representative, so you'd each have 12, 12 years, and you term, should be able to do term, whatever the I hell said. you want to do in policy in 12 years. Correct. Correct. I said ter- I said years. I meant terms. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, I, w- I would love to – like, I mean, and that that is the exact point that uh, I wish people would understand. But how can you get the political powers that be to actually change that? Well, you know, it's kind we of hard to, to get the foxes to police themselves. It's very difficult. Yeah. And they control well, the we chicken. We put our people in office, and we're doing that. We've seen our people get elected to office here recently. Georgia. Mm-hmm. We have to keep Georgia. supporting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mm-hmm. have to keep supporting them. And the more we have in office, I mean, the, look. Yeah. That, that's... We've got uh, Dr. Levine in there. We've got Pete Buttigieg mm-hmm. in there. We've got um, our other representatives now that are coming in. 
we are starting to make that change. It's slow. Of course, but we you know, but Al- Alabama's Alabama senators did not vote yep. to confirm Buttigieg. No, mm. no, they did not. Mm. They did not. And maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm sitting here making a future campaign speech. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Hey, you know, Shelby's going to be retiring apparently. There you go. Yeah. And and look, um, our our dear lovely governor who decided to spend thirty billion dollars to invest in privatized new prisons as opposed to putting that funding in (sighs) community centers and community programs, hello, to prevent the crime, to give people options in our state, has now taken that. And get this, after all the years of spending into that program, $30 billion, when it is done and said and all the money is paid into it, we don't own it. We start over. It's a private, yes. Second time because it's privatized. Sure. So instead of using that funding in our communities, we're just going to lock up all of our citizens Mm -hmm. because that's what we do. So I have a feeling her time limit is on the table as well. So I don't know. I think she has a similar pantsuit. Maybe I'm running for government. (laughs) Well, I mean, the, uh, honestly, uh, your Victorian style that you're showing off today is just amazing. So I do have to say fashionista all the yes, way. Yes, yes, I love the um, Because I am very much fashionista, and I did notice that. So I did have to make a comment that in, on that in public. Um, so, again, you would definitely look the part. There's no question about that. So when are you going to announce? Well, uh, when, like are you, the... when are you when are you going to announce that you're running? <laughs> I may be like the TikToks, though. I may be on the, the vocal side. <laughs> I'm, I'm too much of the vocal side, but no, um, I, I really do. I, I just I know we're running out of time and, and, and all in all efforts. If there was a position open, I would run. I would do whatever I could because we all have to make our part for that. Yeah. Um, to, to really Senator, Senator Camille, that sounds very nice, don't you think? Yeah, Senator, Senator Camille. Camille. Yeah, Senator Camille. I think I think one of the and you did mention that too. It is very very positive to see how many individuals in the LGBTQ community are starting to get into government positions. Ladies, uh, we are seeing it more to, and more. Excuse me. I got to use the restroom and I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Well, I guess gee whiz, gosh, you know, <laughs> I mean, holy <sighs> You know, this is really bad. I do apologize for our co-host here. I mean, just like takes off well, for no reason. Oh. <laughs> Nikki, that's why we're going to change the topic of the of the show. It's no longer uh, Trans Talk Raw. It's Senior Trans Talk Raw. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Heaven forbid. Girl, don't go down that trail. Gee whiz. I've been just fighting to we're keep all- my youth. I- <laughs> <laughs> you can't have any liquids prior to the show. Yeah, exactly. Either that or just be, invest in a catheter. Come on. What's going on here, right? You I know? know. I know. Could I be much more easier. Somewhere. Yeah. Through this afternoon. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and it is, it's so interesting to talk about all of the different dynamics of, you know, our community, how we are in so many ways trying to make change, which is great. There is so many areas that we still need to try to move forward. I always want to try to figure out ways in order to be able to truly motivate individuals. You know, we again, you've made some exceptional points throughout the show today. You have brought to the forefront what kind of this, this, and this, and, and that. And I, I it's a 
I mean, it, you, you should be commended for that. Just like we all try to make change. We are all trying to get the word out. We are all trying to do that. But the one thing that I still haven't quite got figured out yet is in the places that need to get the movement going forward, how do we get them to commit to have tangible results that they're going for, that they stand up and start to fight? How can we motivate those types of people? And we talk about it, but how do we motivate them to actually do it in areas that are of Republican conflict, et cetera, et cetera, right? I can tell you in one word, show, show, show. Yeah. If we're not present, then anything that we're talking about, that's great. Maybe we win some people over, but until they physically see us there, it mm-hmm. doesn't count. It really doesn't count until we're boots on the ground. If yeah. you look back at these right-wing conservatives and that whole movement that they've had, the reason it's been so successful is because of their grassroots movement. They mm-hmm. have the power that they have because of the boots on the ground. You look at Diana Foss, and I'm not even going to get into that situation, <laughs> if you know who she is, in Swamp Scott, uh, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, multiple restraining orders um, on her from the governor of Massachusetts right now. But her following, as um, certifiable as it is, um, is the way it is because people are present. They're there. If you think about the civil rights movement and you think about MLK Jr., Martin Luther King, he was successful at what he did because they showed up. They didn't sit at home. They didn't sit at home and go, I wish it would have happened. I hope the best for you. We're going to go down to the church and pray. Now, they did go to the church and pray. They did sit at home and talk about it, and they organized, but they showed up. And to answer your question, I think to get these areas flipped and to get them changed, it's going to take us showing up in person and doing these marches and doing these rallies. And we can start to do that. We can start to do that. If we can all shop at Walmart safely and Target safely and all of these other Mm -hmm. places, I'm at Neiman Marcus. I see all the other ladies in there putting on the lipstick with no mask on. Get off your ass and come on down and throw together some marches and we'll give you some lunch, whatever it takes. We got to start making this work because the excuses are tired. They are Mm. tired and I'm over them. I am just absolutely over them. We've heard them for decades. They're dead. It is time for life. We have to breathe life into this movement and we have to move forward. And the way to do that is with action. Right. So what would be the most positive thing you could say to these individuals right now that maybe are uh, in those particular regions or that that really truly need to come to the forefront you know what can you say um, you know to s- say okay yeah well show up um, but yet in turn to to say to say to them look I know it's going to be difficult I know for the fact that you know uh, you might be going out that door yes you go to Walmart you go to all of this but so why aren't you going to these other locations why aren't you Fear. It is fear. fear. So how do we get fear. them? How do we get them to take and re- dis- disregard the fear for 
the positivity of the movement itself and moving everything forward. That's the tough one. That's a good question. What is because we already have people who vote against their own interest. Yes, I know. We see it in Trump and everywhere else. Yeah. That we have heard in history on fear. There is nothing to fear but fear itself. Yes. Great point. Franklin Franklin D. Roosevelt. Yes. Yeah. 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 And JFK Jr. <clears throat> and so I would say that we need to learn to lean on our allies. And so if you're afraid to speak out as an individual, reach out to your community and to find those support systems because they're out there. And if you don't know where they're out, reach out to people like us. Mm-hmm. Reach out to us and let us see if we can reach out to others. We have huge networks. Our petition has over 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. We did that in a matter of just a few weeks. And that was just last night. I don't know what it has today. There's some national media pieces that I'm putting on hold right now. I need to talk to Terry about that a little bit later this weekend um, when we can sit down and, and you as well. We can include everybody in on that. But, um, you know, we have a voice right now. Mm-hmm. So we can be that resource. Don't feel like you're having to fight this alone. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you're fighting this alone. So if you see something, say something. If you see somebody that's struggling, that's being picked on in a store, that's being harassed, don't let them sit there. Now, I can tell you right now, I look all cute and sophisticated, and I am. (laughs) I'll tell you that from the start point. But I also have a handbag over there with a 357 in it. Mm. You're not going to push me around anymore, and I'm not pro-gun. I'm not going to say, you know, whip it out at every chance you can. But I've also had my life threatened. I've been in ICU with a collapsed lung. I've had my face beaten into the front hood emblem of my car. I've been burned. I'm tired. I am exhausted. I will no longer live my life in fear. Mm -hmm. I will not have my family's life lived in fear. fear. And I will not see my community live in fear either. So if I'm in a parking lot and I see somebody being harassed, I can tell you right now, you better move out the way unless you want the backside of your derriere to wear my JAG emblem because I will run you over in the parking lot to save my sister. It's just that simple. Speak up, speak out. Don't leave somebody in distress. Call 911. Do what you have to do. Speak up. Help our community. You can't just, and of course, I say these things in the good sense of humor, people, you know. Don't start flooding my emails with saying that I'm out shooting people up and running them over and looking for my silver jag in the parking lot of Target. I'm not a domestic terrorist. Right. It was a valid point to say you have the means to help. You have the means and the power to assist others that you see that are in your community. And they don't have to be trans. They don't have to be gay. They could be attacked because they're African-American or Asian or Latino. Exactly. These are all of our people. These are all of our people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I think I think that's something that we have to really truly hit home um, and continue to fight. Um, I'm going to kind of just quickly bring up an example here. When we take a look at it and we talk about fear, and I find it fascinating to see what's happening in Russia right now with regards to uh, Putin, uh, you know, and people standing up 
in the forefront now and millions of millions of people are standing up and they're not scared of the military anymore. They're not scared of all of that sort of stuff now. And they are standing up. And I mean, it's a lesson that we can truly learn here in the fact that, look, um, you know, we have to stand up for that fight. We have to stand up for the cause. We have to start to move things forward, um, you know, and unify. Uh, because really, truly, with our numbers the way they are, we need everybody to stand up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, you know, we don't have the about, numbers you know, that are against us. Two percent, and you know, maybe one percent, maybe two percent. My God, we don't have the numbers unto ourselves to win for ourselves without allies. We, you know, you. No, we need the allies. Talked about that before. Oh, we don't right. win without allies. We don't exactly, win and without we, allies. and we have and, to have to get the allies definitely. And here's the truth about it. It's not that they're not afraid. Let's be very honest about it. They are afraid. Oh, they are very they afraid. Are oh, they're afraid. scared. That's why they're fighting you're back. Down. Yeah. You're yeah. facing down the military. These people have guns. They know very well when they step out and in front lines, they're probably going to die. They're going to be shot dead on the spot, more than likely. But what is the alternative? To die in fear because you're going to die that way anyway. Mm-hmm. So they made a decision that in a unity that there's a possibility that they may die, but they're going to die together and they're going to die in the world's view and eyesight to bring that change for those future generations. Exactly. So it's okay to be afraid. It is. It's okay to be afraid. But just know that you're not being afraid alone, that there are others that are going to help you get through that. <clears throat> yeah. What's the aspect when your fear of your future is greater than your fear of your present? Is when you step out and do something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, we have been yakking our faces off again. As usual, we are getting to the point where we've been at about an hour and a half, hour and three quarters. That's what we do. And that is what we do. Um, Again, um, I think... Especially as wonderful an interviewee as Camille. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously, we try to uh, bring to the the forefront individuals that truly uh, have the power. um, Make a difference. You know, and can make a difference. Uh, And I think it's extremely important that uh, everybody take away from today uh, you know to heart what's been said I think it's going to be extremely important moving forward uh, especially in the U.S. right now we look at now's the time we got somebody in government right now that is giving us uh, you know in the U.S. their full support so let's stand up make change get to the forefront Uh, let's kick some ass in a good way run run for a position yeah do what you can do do what you now can do. Now is the time no to step question. out because we need to keep the House. We mm-hmm. need to keep the Senate, increase our majorities in both of those, and run for a local position. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Speak up, speak yeah. out. And I just want to say thank you both to Nikki and to Terry for having me on the show today. You're welcome. And to all of the listeners and viewers out there today, I just want to let you know that I appreciate you tuning in. I love each and every one of you. You are valid. You are wonderful. And I also want to let you know that if there's anyone out there today that is just feeling like life is overwhelming for you, it is just too much for you to handle. There are people here for you. You are not alone. Alone. Uh, Make decisions that you cannot reverse. If you need someone to talk to, please, uh, there is a national hotline. Uh, It is 1-866-488. 
800-273-7386. That is our national uh, suicide hotline that is tied in with the Trevor Project. Yeah. And uh, that is related back to LGBTQ plus community. Again, that's 866-488-7386 for anyone that just feels like they don't have anyone out there. Yeah. You're not alone. Well, Thank you all. I love you. <clears throat> yep. And, we, you know, and again, um, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on again, for sure. I think it would oh, be no doubt. have a follow up. No and doubt. I think that's something where we really need to make change. And the more that we uh, are at the forefront of this and discussing this, the more we will make change. No question. So again, thank you so much, uh, everybody. Thank you for watching us again and putting up with us on a Saturday morning when everybody could be out doing something else and you decide to listen to us. Uh, we do appreciate it. We do love our listeners. Why would listeners. you want to do anything else but listen to us? Well, that's oh true God. too. And I mean, I've even heard uh, things that where people say that they're in their PJs in bed with their coffee, listening it's to become, us. and become their morning routine and, on Saturday. Exactly. We so we do, we do really appreciate that. Outside of that, um, we will be back again next week on Trans Talk Raw. You can listen to us on all of the podcast platforms. The podcast will be up probably a little bit later on this afternoon if you wanted to hear it again. If you are coming in late and you don't, uh, you haven't been able to watch this uh, live, please uh, watch the replay. Um, it's going to be extreme. It's a great interview, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. So, outside of that, everybody, thanks again so much to our guest, and uh, have a great and wonderful weekend. And we will talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by TransgenderLifeCoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw.